Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jake Harris, the director of the main event, which premieres on Friday on Netflix. Jay, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? I am great. I believe the last time we spoke was Newport Beach Film Festival. Yes. Great so, point. Yes. That was my first movie. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's interesting to see because this, is this isn't your first kids movie with, with the main event. You did the switch for Disney, uh, which is kind of a remake of Freaky Friday, but you're mostly known for having done comedy specials. And so to go from working with Jim with uh, Jeff Ross, I was going to say Jim Ross, who's now with AEW, former WWE announcer, and then um, Bill Burr and, and Tom Segura to doing family films, it's kind of a nice switch up. Yeah, I mean, it's been a really interesting journey the last several years because in addition to all the stand-up specials, I've also directed close to 100 episodes of television and lots of uh, promos and commercials, and this is um, the fourth feature film. And in the midst of doing all the television specials, I did, you know, things that were not kid-friendly, like workaholics, and then there's some stuff that's just sort of for everyone, like Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And I also did do some, some stuff for the Disney Channel, and that's where I ended up doing that movie, The Swap. And um, so that, that sort of, you know, helps prove that I could do family-friendly fare that's really clean and really fun and safe for everybody, and that's one of the things that led to this happening. Well, the, the main event is a, is a fun family film that takes place with some huge WWE super fans. I have only one problem with the film, and, okay. I, know, and I know we have to suspend disbelief, you know, because we have a magic mask that makes an 11-year-old a super lucha star. But the fact that he uses Bret Hart's own uh, best there is, best uh, best there was, best that ever will be in the ring with The Miz, and nobody called out Seth Carr's character on that, just was a, a punch to the stomach. I was like, really? That much disbelief I got to suspend? <laughs> well, the good thing here is that you have you've caught the uh, the old school wrestling Easter egg. Uh, one of them, one of the few that we put in there. We we put some in for the fans that are uh, you know for the adult fans like uh, you know Ken Marino's right. character name is is Frankie, and we made his last name Albano as a yeah. as a nod to Captain Lou Albano. So we wanted to put you know a few little things in there uh, that like you know, diehard fans such as yourself will, will catch. Oh, yeah. I mean, you threw in some Road Warrior catchphrases of, oh, what a rush. Uh, you know, Albano's character is kind of a mix of, like, Jim Cornette meets Jimmy Hart with a little bit of Lou Albano in there, uh, some Polly Dangerously. So there's that stuff going on. I had no idea Keith Lee could sing as Smooth Operator. Not only can he sing, but he can sing amazingly well. He's fantastic. Yeah, yeah like, as soon as he started singing, I did not expect that. Yeah, that's all him. That's all real. We did not ADR any of his singing. That is 100% real Keith Lee, no pitch adjustment. That's just all live in the mic. Well, now he's got to incorporate that into his gimmick uh, as the Limitless One uh, NXT. Uh, when this project was pitched to you to come in, and, you know, this is it drops tomorrow right after Wrestle, WrestleMania, which was a huge weekend for the WWE and some great storytelling there. Um, how do you take the aspects of professional wrestling um, and then put it into a family film? Because, you know, we've seen stuff before, like The Big Show Show, which is a family series, also on Netflix. We've seen Lyle Alzado's show back in the day with learning the ropes and, and so on and so forth. You know, to make it family friendly and not only family friendly, but kid friendly in this regard. Well, look, I mean, I, I, when I first started as a wrestling fan, I was um, I was a little younger than 
uh, Seth Carr's character, Leo, is in the movie. He's an 11-year-old boy who's got, he's got some stuff going on at home and some stuff going on at school, but he's also a diehard wrestling fan. I was around 10 when I got into wrestling, and I was just a huge fan when I was a kid, and I got sucked in by the characters and the stories and the good guys and the bad guys and just sort of, you know, all the all the amazing storytelling that was there. So I I really sort of looked at everything any decision I made along the way had to go through the 10-year-old version of myself. Like, would the 10-year-old version of myself get excited about this? Would I like it? Would I be moved? Would I laugh? I asked myself all those questions. So it started there, and it started from a place of real reverence for, um, you know, for the athleticism of wrestling. And, and, you know, the kid, Leo, in the movie, just he has a dream, and he wants to be a WWE superstar, and he, he, he just loves wrestling. So... We started there, and we said, how do we tell a real story about a kid who has this, this dream and wants to do it, and if you, it, make it a real what-if? You know, it's a fantastical premise, a magical mask, but underneath that umbrella of, of fantasy, we wanted to make it play very real. Like, what if he found a magical mask? How would it really play out? Right, and they used to, the old adage used to be, never work with children or, or animals, and here's this kid, Seth Carr, who's probably, what, 10 or 11 when you guys started filming this, and holds up 95% of the picture. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, you know, casting that lead character was of paramount importance. Everything, everything started there. And, um, when Seth came in for the casting, he, uh, he had such an amazing audition and he had such a natural talent. And when I was, uh, in my first casting session with him, I, I did a take with him. I said, I just forget about what's on the script. And instead of the casting director reading with him, I said, I'm, I'm going to do this one with you. And I just, we didn't go um, word by word for word. You know, I just threw stuff out at him. I just wanted to see how he could handle himself on his feet if someone threw him a curveball. And he was great. He really had, um, he had great improvisational chops. He was really good just in the moment. Um, we knew that he was an athletic kid. He plays, uh, but he's a basketball player. And, um, you know, it was just kind of a gut thing. I just knew he was the right kid, that he could, he could carry the picture and that he could handle the workload and make it look great. Right. One thing I really liked uh, that you did with the story along, along with uh, Leo's uh, character is that it wasn't heavy-handed in that he came from an interracial family. You know, here it is. Adam Paley's his dad. You know, there's no question about it. You know, and then and then uh, Tessina Arnold is his, is his grandmother, and you just sat there, and it's a part of the story. It didn't have to be explained. It didn't have to be like hit over the head with a sledgehammer, going, "This is an interracial family. Pay attention to this aspect." It wasn't a part of the story. It just was. Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned that. That was definitely the intention. Uh, I mean, you know, my my son, I have a seven year old son, and he goes to school in uh, in incredibly diverse community, and that's exactly how it is for him and all the kids in his school. So I look at that generation, and they they don't they don't think about it. Every family looks different. Family looks how it is, and we wanted to tell a story about a family that just they look how they look, and every family looks looks like their own family. And um, but, and yeah, we didn't feel the need to. To, to mention it specifically, we just wanted the story to tell itself. Right, because people act like this is a new concept of interracial marriages, but this has been going on for thousands upon thousands of years. Because if we were just a homogeneous society, we'd have like 11 arms, 16 eyes, and, you know, be a foot and a half tall. <laughs> we would have never evolved. A whole other movie. Yeah. <laughs> the de-evolution of humanity. No, but I, I like that, because most movies will have to hammer you over the head with that, and it's like, this just is... And 
and carry on. Uh, you know, there's a bit, there's uh, the story of dealing with bullies. There's a story of dealing with friendship and broken promises and everything else that comes along with it. Uh, you even have Otis playing Stinkface in the movie. And, uh, you know, he got his comeuppance at WrestleMania last week. It, it was weird watching him as a heel in your film, but it was still a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, Otis is, he's such a, he's, you know, he's a big guy, and he's a strong guy, and, uh, he's also incredibly sweet and has a lot of heart, and, uh, you know, he had, you know, all these guys, all the wrestlers who were in the movie, um, you know, and Otis is an example of one that had never acted in a single camera film environment before, but, you know, all these guys go out and they, they're performers, they can perform in front of crowds, uh, they, they know they hit a mark, they know they choreograph something, and uh, so it was it was fun to be able to work with guys like Otis and, and just, you know, help sort of embody a completely different character and also go through the machinations of, of how a film is shot with them. Yeah, and you also got to work with The Miz and Kofi Kingston and Seamus. Uh, you also brought back another Easter egg for people was the big blue steel cage from WrestleMania too. You know, there's a lot of debate over what that cage should look like, primarily for photographic reasons. Uh, you know, I worked with uh, my, my cinematographer, Carson Gopinath. He goes by the name of Crash. We had a lot of uh, discussions with our production designers, like, should it be should it be silvery blue? Should it be black? Should it be matte? Should it be glossy? Because there are a lot of concerns about the rigging and the lighting and how to actually make it look cool and shootable. And we landed on going a little bit old school with it, and I'm, I'm so glad the end result that we that we did, we did. well it looked great and that that old school blue cage is much better for filming anyway because to try to go through the chain link fence is a pain in the butt yeah exactly yeah we had to have um yeah the, the squares i think are 12 12 inches by 12 inches squares on them and, and it's actually um you know without lighting it's a pretty pure silver but the quality of that metal it takes on the, the color temperature of the lighting around it and it has a sort of blue environment so it's it um, that was part of the design too. It was something that could take light and color. So as like in the entrances when you know it's all green, the metal of the cage takes on a little bit of green. When Kid Chaos comes out, it's a little bit of blue. It's it's a really cool thing that happens when it interacts with the lighting. Well, it looked great on camera and it worked perfect with the NXT colors. I assume it was shot at the Performance Center or at Full Sail University for that for that setup. No, actually, so. There are two different arenas. So in the script, they were called Arena 1 and Arena 2. Arena 1 is where all the all the trials take place in the initial matches. That was actually something that we constructed. We got uh, the rings from uh, the WWE, but the, the, everything else was we constructed on a soundstage. We had to have you know, a 40-foot high ceiling to be able to get our rigging in there for all the stunt work, so we just built that all on a soundstage. And then we shot the big final match, the steel cage match, at the Agrodome, this was all in Vancouver, and the Agrodome had an amazing history. The final match in Rocky IV, Evan Drago, was shot in that very same arena, and we built our steel cage. Again, we got the rings from WWE and you know, all the padding mats around it from them, and then we built everything else uh, on our own so that we could shoot there for a week. And Rocky IV is my favorite of the Rocky franchise, so that, that's a bonus for me. Yeah, no, it was really cool. It felt cool walking into that space and doing it there. Okay, so I have to ask you this, because like I mentioned earlier, they always said don't work with kids and don't work with animals. But you also worked with a bunch of wrestlers. Who hammed it up more, the kids or the wrestlers? <laughs> oh, man, that's a great question. Well, the kids were pretty in, you know, in, in awe of the wrestlers coming in. So, um, you know, I think the wrestlers are the more inherent 
showmen. They're out there doing it week to week all the time. So I'm going to go with the wrestlers on this one. <laughs> was it was it more Otis, Keith, or, or The Miz? Uh, I'd say, I mean, I think The Miz. You know, Miz was, his role in the movie is that of the ringleader and, and sort of the host of the, the trials and the tournament. So I think Miz had the most opportunity to get in there. And, like, he, he, he had a mic in his hand, and he was, you know, able to kind of talk to the crowd and play it up a little bit and, and have a really good time. You could tell he had a, he had a blast being on set and, and interacting with the crowd. We had amazing background. The, the you know, people that were in the, playing the audience, our background actors in Vancouver were – just uh, they were they were amazing. They were you know like a lot of times after you know, hour twelve, your background is sort of you know they're ready to go home, they're falling asleep, they're not giving it their all. These guys did not stop. They were real fans. They were really dedicated to helping the movie be great. And um, and and Miz and the other guys helped really you know, helped bring the best out of our crowd too, just like they do in the WWE. Well, it was definitely a fun family movie, and for parents that are worried about the excessive violence. It's very cartoony violence, so you don't have to worry about you know, uh, poor Seth getting smacked around. Uh, two, two more questions before I let you go. We know that it drops on April 10th at midnight on Netflix, but since you grew up being a professional wrestling fan, what would have been your finishing move, and what type of character would you have been? <laughs> oh, my God. That's a great question. Uh, you know, as a... As, uh... As vicious as it was, I was always a big fan of the DDT. Mm-hmm. I thought that was just a really, like, really clean, distinct. Like, once a DDT happened, no one, no one ever got up from that. So I always was a big fan of that one. Not a lot of flash or flourish, but very effective. Right. And, and, and Jake the Snake was the king of it. And before I let you go, uh, for families that are worried that I mentioned that it, even though it is cartoony, cartoony violence, what would you say to a parent that's scrolling through Netflix with a million options and going, you know what, this is the reason why you need to stop on the main event? So families can safely watch this with their kids. It is, um, there's an incredibly positive set of messages that come through. It's super funny. It's really entertaining. And in the end, it's just it's a feel-good family movie that's funny and full of heart. And I watched it with my 7-year-old, and he's my toughest most honest, honest critic and he loved the movie and we watched it together as a family and it was it was an incredibly satisfying experience i think it'll give any family out there 95 minutes of wholesome entertainment fantastic jake harris thank you so much let's not make it another six years b- before we talk again uh main event drop i hope not man uh main event drops uh friday april 10th on netflix and i'm looking forward to watching it again thank you really appreciate it thank you so much all right man i'll talk to you later All right, take care. All right, bye.